Hello and welcome aboard. We are taking off in just a moment with a new episode here at the Virtual Frontier. The one and only podcast about remote work and the future of work actually produced 100% remotely. Great you have found your way back to the show. And if you just joined recently, hit the subscribe button right away so you'll never miss new episodes. Our guest today is Darcy Luoma. Darcy is a distinguished coach and professional keynote speaker. As a master certified coach by the International Coach Federation, she belongs to the top 3% of leadership coaches worldwide. With her thoughtfully fit model, she helps leaders and teams stop wasting time and energy dealing with frustrating people problems. Do you feel often overwhelmed, anxious, or simply exhausted? Do stressful customers, colleagues, or your partner easily drive you up the wall? Do you find it increasingly difficult to adapt to constantly changing circumstances? Do you really think your life is hard? Then let's dive into Darcy's life story to reframe your perspectives and get an idea of how to face the harshness of life. See you in just a second on the other side. So, hello Darcy and welcome to here a new episode to the Virtual Frontier. I'm very happy and delighted that uh, we have found each other. Um, I, I was looking for a new podcast guest uh, and um, found you um, in, with your great description and uh, uh, your program that uh, it was announced, uh, the Thoughtfully Fit program, which we're going to talk about today a little bit. And um, yeah, thank, thank you again for taking the time. Um, really great to have you. Um, before starting off, Darcy, um, maybe you want to tell a little bit about your story from where you're coming, um, what you're doing, uh, you're working in the consulting business, but um, yeah, maybe you take it over and, and uh, tell a little bit uh, about what you're doing and where you are, who you are. Wonderful. I'd love to. Thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, join you this morning, Daniel. I have a firm that is a leadership development and executive coaching firm, and everything that we do focuses on creating high-performing people and teams. And the, the angle that we look at is solving people problems, because we find that that's uh, one of the greatest obstacles that get in the way of being high-performing. And people problems is lack of communication, not handling conflict well, and then it turns into toxic conflict, building trust on your teams, having effective leadership. And we specialize it, that message in our signature model, which is thoughtfully fit. And that was developed as I started to notice from working with hundreds and hundreds of clients since 2004, uh, that every client had Uh, similar challenges that they brought into our coaching sessions, whether it was an executive, a manager, a director, whether it was a team, that they all had similar hurdles. And so I spent several years researching uh, and being really intrigued by this. Like, what, what are the themes and the patterns? There were different players, different details, different stories, but that the core essence of their challenges were the same. And that started this multi-year process of researching and then developing ultimately the thoughtfully fit model. And, and how, how did you um, get in the first place to this uh, area of consulting and, and, and coaching? What, what, what is your passion? What drives you there? Um... I spent probably about 15, 20 years in politics, which is really strange because I went to university and studied math and German. And so I was trained to be a teacher. I was trained K-12 through uh, for math and 6-12 to teach German. Ja, sehr gut. <laughs> and when I graduated, I was uh, hired by the teachers union and mm -hmm. to be able to train young teachers at that time under age 36 to lobby the legislature and to say, okay, the resources we have in our classroom are directly impacted by the votes you're taking in 
the legislature, whether it's class size or uh, how old the textbooks are, that sort of thing. And so I was training teachers to go and lobby the legislature to try to get more resources for public schools. That's how the, 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 the tiny little pivot happened from being a teacher to being in politics. So that led for, to a career doing, uh, working for a U.S. senator for 12 years, running his office. I worked for two U.S. presidential campaigns and a U.S. president. I ran the transition team for uh, a governor and just had a whole career and politics. And as I was doing that, Daniel, I kept noticing that and, and watching who is effective and who's not. And I found that the people who had high, uh, high passion, but weren't delivering their message in a thoughtful way, were sabotaging themselves. Hmm. And the people who were what now is termed thoughtfully fit, they were more effective in getting whatever policy change that they wanted. And so I watched for 15, 20 years, these lobbyists, these constituents come in and get angry and protest and take over. And I thought, you know, there's got to be a better way that they could handle themselves. Not to mention the fact that I had my own journey I started running the senator's office when I was 29, and I had no idea how to lead a team and how to create an environment that was trusting and how to communicate and handle conflict. So I made a lot of mistakes on my own where I did not handle myself thoughtfully and I did not handle the relationships with my colleagues and direct reports thoughtfully. And so that all led to my passion for helping people to navigate how they show up in relationships. And so when the U.S. Senator that I was working for, that was the most recent job I had before I launched my full-time business, he announced in 2012 that he was not going to be seeking re-election. He had been in office for 24 years. That was the time when I hired a coach. And everybody assumed, myself included, my, my colleagues, my husband, my friends, my family, that I would stay in the political field. And my coach asked me a question that completely changed the trajectory of my life. She said, Darcy, if in 10 years you look back at this moment in time and you have no regrets, what would you do? And I was like, really? I mean, that was the best question ever. I said, I'd launch my own business. I, I, would, I would be doing keynote speaking and coaching and consulting and helping people to be more effective. And she said, great, do it. Well, I can't do that. I'm the sole breadwinner for a family of four. I need health insurance. I need a salary. And so she helped me to address all of those hurdles. Many of them were my own inner trash talk uh, that I thought would prevent me from doing what I really love. And so on January 2nd, 2013 was my last day with the U.S. Senate. On January 3rd, I launched my business full time. And I'm not quite at 10 years yet, Daniel, but I will say I have no regrets. Awesome. What, what, what else uh, you, can, you can wish for? That's, that's, that's great to hear. Um, how... how uh, Or could you explain a little bit about, um, in the first place, just the raw idea about what, what is your idea about uh, um, the Thoughtfully Fit program? What, what, what you understand behind that uh, so we align uh, our listeners um, in understanding? I have been a lifelong athlete and I have learned the hard way that if you don't train <laughs> for a marathon, it's not very fun and it's not very easy and you don't perform very well. But that if you train and practice, you can improve. And so thoughtfully, so, so being physically fit, you can invest in the training and practice to get better. And so that is the metaphor for being thoughtfully fit. That if you want to be able to handle yourself thoughtfully in your relationships and also with yourself, be really intentional and mindful, it doesn't just happen. Because many of us, we grew up and maybe we have a father who has a bad temper and that's what we learned. When you're angry, you yell. Or maybe we have um, a, a mother who always wants to keep the peace. And if you're angry, you just acquiesce. Oh, it's okay. I'm not going to say anything. 
we, we learn how to behave in relationships and it's not always the most effective way. And so if you want to handle yourself thoughtfully, you need to train and practice. You can't just hope that when you are attacked by somebody verbally that you'll be able to to pause and to think and to reflect and then to respond calmly if you haven't been training and practicing. You get attacked, you got, most people have an autopilot, a knee-jerk response. You get attacked, you yell back. You get attacked, you shut down. You get attacked, you cry. You get attacked, you stonewall. All of those are not effective in staying in relationship to try to figure out how do we move through this conflict? And, and that was my passion for creating Thoughtfully Fit because people are complicated, they're human, they're flawed, and we have all different opinions, whether it's political or the last year, the social unrest, and that's not going to change. And so if we know that there's going to be different opinions and different views, but we can handle those differences thoughtfully, we can try to get to a place where we have a better, kinder, more compassionate world. Instead of being in the place we are now where there's violence and, and, and shooting and all sorts of conflict and tension because people haven't trained, how do you handle yourself thoughtfully? So, so let me pause because I feel like I'm getting on, on a little bit of a tangent and see if that's helpful or if you have questions about the, the model. I can bring it down to a more concrete level, but that's the bigger picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then um, we, we, we're going to dive there maybe a little bit more later into the details on, on the different parts of this, uh, this um, um, model and framework. Um, what have you noticed? You just mentioned like the, the, the unrest uh, um, uh, the last 18 years, uh, months and almost uh, two years right now um, with the whole pandemic. Um, what you have might receive from, from your customers and from your clients how they do handle the situation, what are the, the biggest uh, struggles they have right now and how they can might uh, uh, get back to the core, mm -hmm. as you mentioned it in the book. Mm -hmm. Yes, the pandemic has turned our world upside down. And so while there were already people problems uh, before, you layer that on this global pandemic, it just elevated those problems because all of a sudden now, not only do you have to deal with the differing personalities and different opinions and having conflict, you need to do it either remotely through the little tiny camera um, in a Zoom room, or you need to do it with a mask on and socially distance and you can't quite read somebody's facial expression. Oh, yes, and right. And then there's increased tension and stress because many of my clients are working at home and all of a sudden they've got kids that are homeschooling and a spouse and they've got to try to figure out the internet connection and the sound and being on top of each other or those clients who were essential workers and were in the office or in the hospital or the clinic, wherever they were working, the added stress and dynamics that came with the exposure and potential and sort of the heightened stress of that. And so the people problems that were already there just became more elevated with the pandemic, not to mention all the political and social unrest and climate change and immigration, all the other things that are happening in the world and the, the fast pace that we see the news. It's not just, you know, when I was growing up, we'd turn on the 10 o'clock news at night and watch for a half hour and, and find out what happened that day. Now, every single moment, I was just looking for my, my phone here, uh, every single moment we are getting updates on what's happening. And so we've got this heightened anxiety. Yeah. And so at the core of Thoughtfully Fit is your ability to recognize in any moment your choices and focus on what you control. And if you want to handle yourself thoughtfully, you can't be on autopilot mode. You can't have that knee-jerk reaction. You need to slow it down to be able to recognize what are my choices and what do I control in this moment? Great. No, no, no. Talking about like situations like the pandemic, um, reading your book and, and it's a, it's a main part, uh, uh, is your own, own story. Um, how 
you developed uh, this uh, awesome um, method and model uh, um, how people can work uh, and, and more efficiently and effective. Um, you created this, this, this model and there came a time where this came like all of a sudden to a big use for yourself and you, you needed to adapt all the things that you have learned uh, by yourself over the last 20 years in your own life from one day to another. Uh, um, was a really a, a, a turning point, I would say, in, in, in your life, right? Uh, but um, maybe you want to explain a little bit what, what happened and how, how, how you yes. handled the first days, uh, whatever, after. Yes, I had spent five years doing deep dive research on developing the model. Of course, you know, 15 years prior to that, working with clients, um, but five years deep research. And on a Saturday in March of 2016, we had all these flip charts up and post-its and all the years of research and it all came together. And the whole model, and I do this because it's a circle, it's a, it's a beautiful model, and the six hurdles, the top six obstacles that get in the way of being high performing, we outlined the core. It was just such an exciting day. It was five days later that I got a phone call from my neighbor and she said, Darcy, what is going on at your house? And I'm like, I don't know, I'm not home, why? And she said, there is a SWAT team, there's 40 or 50 police cars, they've got guns, they've surrounded your house and they just took John out in handcuffs. What, what? My husband, what are you talking about? What, what? That phone call, <sighs> started the biggest nightmare of my life. It wasn't even a nightmare because I had never had a nightmare that was as horrible as the reality of that day. I found out that my husband of 10 years, who was a full-time stay-at-home dad to our two young daughters, that he was arrested for a sexual assault of a minor he had met online. He was taken away that day and put in jail and he never came home. And he was ultimately sentenced and incarcerated in prison and uh, got a 10-year sentence. And my, my life became the biggest people problem that I had ever could imagine. And I became ground zero to test drive Thoughtfully Fit because the charges were so severe I had to hire my own attorney, my, my husband and now ex-husband had his criminal defense attorney, but I had to hire my own attorney. And my attorney said, Darcy, don't talk to anybody about anything. Okay. I just had my life turned upside down. I can't talk to anybody. I became ground zero to test drive this model in my own life and the core. Okay. What do I control here? What are my choices? It certainly felt like I controlled nothing and I had no choices. And that at the core, there's, there's three simple steps. You pause, think, and act. That helped me tremendously because at the time I thought life was over. I didn't think I'd be talking on this amazing podcast to Daniel and having this conversation. I thought life was done, that I would never find happiness again. And it was because of engaging my core every day, multiple times a day, pause, okay, Pause. You got to pause. This the, the 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 woman who says, "Darcy, if I find out this was this was another mother of a, a daughter who hung out with my daughters, and she called me and she said, if I find out there's any pictures or video of my daughter, I'm sending the mafia to your house, and my husband has ties to the mafia." Okay, <laughs> that was a really scary place to be, mm -hmm. and my initial reaction was uh, fear anger, disbelief. Yep. But in that moment, being able to, to pause and just take a breath and think, okay, she's scared. This isn't personal. This is, she's not attacking me. She's, she's in mama bear protective mode. Her, she doesn't know if her daughter was at risk. So because I could pause and think and access that awareness and empathy and compassion in the moment, I could act more thoughtfully and say, oh my gosh, I can understand that you're scared. Instead of, are you kidding me? No, no I did, right? I mean, and, and, and overreacting and then adding fuel to the, to the fire. Yeah, yeah. So that was, and, and so the, the, the book that I wrote, Thoughtfully Fit, which I was planning to write about the model, all of a sudden became a hybrid, not only leadership book and self-help book, 
but a hybrid memoir. Because in the book, I outline how each of the practices in the core helped me navigate this huge life challenge that had presented itself. Yeah. I, when, when I was reading that, and, and I think you mentioned it all, also in, in the book, it's like, uh, um, yeah, if you watch like CSI or some crime uh, 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 series, that, that's something you expect from there, like uh, having the house surrounded by 50 cars and, and police uh, guys and, and SWAT team, whatever. Um, this turns life upside down. Uh, it, what I was wondering in the first place, I, I putting myself in, in into your house uh, in, in my mind and and thinking about how you feel in this moment when, when everything comes down, then you probably after the raid, you sit there in, in your house alone in the evening. How, how you take it from there? We're like, uh, and, and not like giving, giving up and, and just, I, I mean, that could be also the point, as you just mentioned, um, where everything goes, goes to hell and, and everything is, is, is blackout, you know? Everything went to hell. And I, in that moment, Daniel, um, so I, I, I leave the meeting that I'm at and I go into first thing fear, where are my daughters? <laughs> and it was 2.10 in the afternoon and they get home on the bus at 2.30. So my first immediate problem to solve was the, d dealing with them. And I went into mama bear mode to figure out how did they not get off the bus in front of my house to see these guns and SWAT teams and, and police and, and this fear. Um, and so thankfully I've got tremendous neighbors. I was able to navigate the, the, the neighbors getting to the bus and swooping the girls up. It happened to be St. Patrick's day, which here is a holiday. Lots of, you know, you drink green beer and shamrock shakes. And so the the bus luckily was facing away from the house where the girls got off the bus and my neighbor said come on girls we talked to your mom we're taking you out for shamrock shakes and we're gonna drive to a birthday party you guys are coming with us and it was to milwaukee an hour and a half away and so that first immediate crisis that i had to avert was getting the girls safe and not seeing this then I had to deal with it the police were doing a search warrant at our house and it, it and they destroyed it i mean Again, as you said, Law and Order, CSI, these are only things you see on TV. And I don't even watch those shows. But I'll, 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 so I get called five, six hours later to when they would finally let me come back into my house. And every single file, every single drawer, every single closet was in a pile in the middle of every room because they were, they were conducting an extensive search warrant. And so in that moment, I, what, I was just all in, how do I protect my girls? Okay, what do I need to do? Okay, I got to at least clear out the path from them to get to their bedrooms so that they don't freak out when they get home. And every step of the way, then it was a lot of pausing to think, breathe, think, okay, what, what's most important right now? What do I need to do? How do I deal with this crisis? What do I control? Because if I hadn't done that, to pause to think before acting, I would have just, I, I probably, I probably would have either shut down, crawled into a cave, hidden, or would have picked up the girls and moved. And I had a lot of people afterwards say, why, why didn't you move? And the reality is, all of a sudden, I mean, here I am in my community with loving, supportive neighbors and Girl Scouts and friends and church and other other parents. If I picked up and moved, I don't have that support system. And then also, do I do I lead with uh, my husband is on trial or do I not say that? And then they find out later and they're like, oh, wait, we liked her. But, oh, she must not. I didn't see a win win. And so I decided and I made a conscious choice to stay and to deal with it and to rebuild my life instead of fleeing or numbing out or hiding or, you know, crawling into a, a cave. Yeah. And, and, and um, how you proceeded in the, in the couple of weeks after the, this incident happened in, at your house, um, like how you get things 
back on rail and and moving and i i think the first like of also for you uh, and i i read wrote, um, was reading that in the book um with with your church um where where you was where you were really active as a as a member uh, it took it took you like like a year right as uh, until you got like back into the community and the activities and everything and um but how how was this 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 um time of of returning to <laughs> something let's say normal or more normal it took a long time to get back to normal or even probably the new normal right mm -hmm. we're in a new normal right now just like people are figuring out how the new normal with the pandemic um and i'd say there were a couple of key things that i think i did that helped me so so one is um when the news media trucks the satellite trucks were out in front of the house and my my husband's mugshot was all over the newspaper and the nightly news and social media it became clear to me that i needed to protect my daughters and so they were eight and nine at the time and so i moved them five hours away to another state to live with my sister and she i gave her legal guardianship so that I could, so that they didn't have to uh, see all of this and be in the, in the eye of the storm. That gave me that, and that was hard, 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 right? I mean, that was wicked hard because now I'm alone in my house. It's destroyed. I don't have my, my husband. I don't have my children. I, my attorney said, don't talk to anybody. It was extreme. It was, it was, it was crushingly lonely and and scary the other thing that i did is i hired a crisis communications firm i hired a pr firm and that came to me it was a couple days after the arrest so i i sent the girls away he was arrested on thursday afternoon i drove them to my sisters on sunday and it was that week that i i woke up in the three in the morning i wasn't sleeping much at all but and i had this panic mode and we have this big bay window in the front of our living room with no curtains. And I panicked and I called uh, or I texted a friend and said, Hey, I, 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 when you wake up, can you help? Can you help me put up curtains? And so she came over with her husband. They went to the store. They spent a couple of hours. They put up all the curtains and it was literally moments after it was all done that he opened the door and said, okay, I'm going to go put the tools in the car. And went out and there, there was the media trucks. They had, they had figured out where I lived. And it was that that moment when I had that urge to, to protect myself, that I also had the urge that I need help. I need professional help. I hired a crisis communications firm. And I remember the, the president of the company um, was advising me and we were figuring out how do we, how do we triage this? Who, what do we tell the, the, the neighbors, the parents, the friends they, she was helping me. And she said, Darcy, you need to take some time off of work. I can't take time. Are you kidding? I have more bills and legal bills and divorce Never. attorneys and criminal and therapists. I can't take off time. And sh I will never forget Daniel when she said, you're, Nobody will fault you for what your husband did. They will, however, fault you for not being a present mom. And if you keep working at this pace, you can't be present to those daughters. Oh, that just hit me. And, and I said, you know what? I don't agree <laughs> at all, but I'm going to trust you and I'm going to do what you're saying because I need advice right now. I'm not thinking straight. And so I took off months from work. I own my own company. If I don't work, I don't get paid. Mm. And I took off months. I, my team, thankfully, were phenomenal. They handled all of the coaching clients, the keynotes, the facilitation, the workshops. They took care of that. I think that is part of the reason that I am today in the place that I am where I'm thriving. And, and because I, 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 I didn't stay in this place of being busy and ignoring. It forced me to not numb out and to grieve and to process and to heal and to do that deep work. If I hadn't done that, I mean, the work needs to be done at some point. If I hadn't done it then, I'd probably be doing it for the next 20 years in a much less efficient way. Yeah, yeah. And and this is something also uh, I, I think many business owners can recognize that like this, this, continuing uh work and work or work or work and, and you just keep pushing 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 
and and uh, probably you're not getting anywhere. And the right uh, um, decision would be to take a step back and take an outside perspective, take some days, weeks off, whatever, like you did, um, to just get back to your own core, right? That's exactly it. And boy, my ins I, I tend to think that I have good business instincts. My instinct was exactly opposite. My instinct was you got to work, Darcy. Yeah. And that, so, so I guess hiring um, some, some professionals to help me navigate that was a critical decision that was really hard also because not only was I not making then any money, I also on top of it was hiring professionals and having to pay a lot of money. So it was like this double whammy. Um, I remember, Daniel, one morning I was at a meeting downtown and I had, God, who was it? I had my lawyer there, John's lawyer, my divorce attorney and my crisis communicator <laughs> firm. And they all ranged, their hourly rate was anywhere from like three to $600. And it was a three hour meeting. And I remember leaving and driving away going like, oh my God, that was a, I can't remember how many thousands of dollars morning. Like, yeah. oh, okay, pause, 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 breathe, think. You are making an investment right now in mm. your future. This isn't an expense. This is an investment. If yeah. you have any chance of rebuilding, this is the right, right? I had to like calm myself down so that I didn't just hyperventilate and go into this panic mode. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. I, I got two questions that, that pumped up to me, of course, um, like getting back to your, your story there. When, um, how did you handle that with your two daughters that you had to confront them at some point with the story? And, and also what I as a father has had in mind uh, from different perspectives, of course, um, you probably have, have also to think about what happened in your own house. I think your, your uh, ex-husband was like, The, the guy that uh, took care of the place and, and, and your kids, uh, um, didn't you worry also about the, the background story there? It could, would be possible that something happened also at home, right? I was petrified that something had happened at home. Absolutely. And thankfully, through the process of talking with the girls, talking with the investigators, the detectives, the police, Uh, the therapists, the child psychologists, there was, they were, they were never at risk. Um, and that was a blessing. Um, it was very, very, very hard navigating the personal side with my daughters. Like there's the side of being a business owner and figuring out that. And then there's a side of being a mom, mm. which trumped anything. And what, what do I tell my daughters and how do I tell them? And I remember that afternoon when he was arrested and I got them safe with the neighbors. They didn't know anything. And I called a child therapist. And the first one I called, I said, I need help. I need help. I got to figure out how do I navigate this? And he said, just tell him that he went on vacation. Oh my God, my instinct was just screaming. Like, are you kidding me? In their eight and nine years of life, they, they've never gone a day without their dad. And all of a sudden he just randomly decides to leave on vacation without saying goodbye. The week before we're supposed to go on a, a family spring drape break trip. I'm just like, I, I couldn't do it. I, 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 I thanked him. I hung up. I'm like, no, I am not lying. What I, my daughters now are, their world is going to be turned upside down when they feel and find out what, what happened. They need to trust me. And so fast forward through, I could, I could share a whole lot of details, but I'll just bottom line what I learned. And it took me five child therapists before I found one that I really liked and trusted. Thanks God you didn't go for I the learned, first one. Oh, thankfully, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, that was hard in itself because I was second guessing myself, like, really, should I lie to them and just is it play it safe? And I, I trusted my, thankfully, I trusted my, my gut. Couple of things that I learned. One is to tell the truth. And I told my daughters, you can ask me any question that you have at all. And I will tell you the truth as an, at an age appropriate level. And so, so I'm, I'm going to protect you. And it's not that I'm going to lie to you. It's that there's certain things that are beyond your ability at this age to, to be able to handle and process. That was very helpful. The other thing, two other things I learned. One is 
that the research shows that if your children are not at risk, that investing in them having a relationship with an incarcerated parent is always in their best interest. Mm. And so I chose to uh, uh, create space for them to be able to have a relationship with their dad. And to, we went and visited him in prison, I mean, pre-COVID, and he would call and they'd do letters. Um, and then the other thing I learned is that I had, the, the, the day that I finally, I, I bought some time. I said, girls, dad made a bad choice and he's had a consequence. He's safe, he's fine. I need some more time before I tell you the details. And so just if you can give me some time, because I had to find the therapist and figure out how to navigate this. And so the day that I uh, decided to finally tell them, dad's in jail, and I, I had a, a, a whole list of talking points and what I was going to say. Thankfully, the therapist said, all of this is appropriate. It's all right on. But here's the deal. I want you to say this much, not this much. And then stop and let them ask questions. Because if you share all of this, they will be flooded and overwhelmed and their little brains can't process that. And so I asked my sister and brother-in-law to be with me when, when we shared and we went to a park so that they weren't in my home or her home and having like bad memories of that. And I shared with them that, um, that what I want to tell you is, is because I want you to trust me and it's the truth and it might be hard, but daddy's in jail and he's, he's safe. He's okay. And he was arrested for inappropriate touching of a young girl who he didn't know. And then the therapist said, don't, don't use the word sex. They're too little. And that will just be confusing. And they, they won't know, they don't know what that word means. And, um, and then stop and let them ask questions. And so that's what I did. And they said, is he safe? Yeah, he's safe. Does he have TV? <laughs> yeah, I think he has a TV. I'm not sure. Does he? I'm not sure. But, but I think he's at least got books to read. And I think they gave him a Bible. Can we go on the slide, mom? I mean, it was like that quick. And then they're off and running. And, I, and, and I'm like, yeah, of course. And they're swinging in the slide. And I look at my sister and brother-in-law and they look at me I'm like, okay, wow, that went better than we could have expected. Like they just, they needed to know, but then that was all. Now, questions came over the coming weeks and months. And frankly, they're still coming. Mm. Five years later, there are different levels of questions and they have learned to trust me. Yeah. Yeah. In, 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 in retrospective, how, how would you say, um, to what extent your, your training? I, I think you, you mentioned it also in the book, like you, you train for, for, for a situation or whatever, um, that you never thought about. But when, when the day came, uh, you were prepared. Um, so apart from the physical training, how would you say this training that you had before? Um, helped you in, in overcoming this and what would happen? This is just a, a theoretical question, but what would happen if you wouldn't have this training and, and, uh, uh, um, this background? Um, what, what, what would have happened if I hadn't had the training is I, I would not be on this podcast with you. Yeah. I would not be at a place of peace and forgiveness, um, and, and co-parenting with the, with my ex-husband and having a very strong relationship. I would not, my, my daughters probably would not be thriving in eighth and 10th grade. Um, and, and so the, the training, just like when I trained for an Ironman, I trained for 55 weeks for one day. That day was fun. It wasn't easy, but it wasn't miserable because mm. I had trained. I knew what to do. I knew how to go through every transition. I knew when and how to fuel myself. In the same way, when I told you, Daniel, about the mistakes I made in politics, um, that's when I realized, like, I need training to be able to handle these protesters who are coming and taking over my office and doing, a, you know, a war protest and a die-in because I didn't handle those things well, and I realized that if I'm going to be effective in, in whatever role I'm doing, it happened to be that in that case, that it was in the political realm, I need to figure out how to handle myself under pressure. Hmm. Uh, because when I didn't, it didn't go well and I didn't get good results. And so training and practicing on, and, and for over, over years and, and, and starting small, I mean, 
you know, if you want to build your, your core, you, you don't, you don't, first of all, do 20 sit-ups once a month and you're done. You also don't do a thousand sit-ups right now and you're done. You do a little bit consistently every day. And so for me, even now, I'm constantly in training for, to build my thoughtfully fit core and to engage it. So when I'm, you know, yesterday I went to the, to the, uh, to the store and right when I was going to pull into the, uh, the, 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 the spot in the parking lot, somebody came in the other side and went in front of me. Okay. That first reaction is to flip them off, to get angry. What an asshole, but pause, think. Do I really want to give this person my energy? Do I really need this spot? Act, let it go, smile, wave them in and move on. The little tiny places to practice, build up your strength and your muscles so that when the big stuff happens and you get an email of somebody who is criticizing you and they've replied, you know, done a reply all to your whole team, you don't pound out that response and hit reply all angrily you in that moment can pause and think, okay, what do I need to do here? What are my choices? What do I control? And maybe instead you pick up the phone and say, hey, just got your email and I, I'm, I'm feeling a little triggered. I'm feeling a little bit hurt that you sent it to everybody. And I'm wondering if we can talk about it. Yep, such a wise choice. And I, I, I have to thank you um, because I, I, when I got your book just a, a couple of days ago, Uh, I had the chance also to start reading. And um, as mentioned before in our pre-talk, uh, I had in our community school some difficult situations the last uh, during the last days. And I started to like, just like thinking about what you mentioned in the book in the first chapters. And I said, okay, first, my problems are here are very, very, very small. Um, there are people uh, that had managed uh, much bigger stuff, right? And uh, just keep thinking and then uh, pause and act then after, right? Um, maybe this is this also something we could uh, explore a little bit right now um, in this uh, next part of the, the uh, our conversation that you explain a little bit more in detail. We can of course dive into every every um, part of the the model that you have developed. Um, but so um, people get at least um, an idea how how the construct works, and um, and they should get the book and read it, of course, uh, later on. Um, but uh, that yeah, someone get an idea about how, how this model works and what, what is the idea behind. Yeah, the, the model highlights the, the six big hurdles that we found every, every person is, is struggling with that gets in the way of being high-performing, of having a, a successful life, however you define success. Three of those hurdles are internal, where we get in our own way, and then three of them are external that are in relationship with other people. And each of those six hurdles align with one of the six practices of being thoughtfully fit. And that um, the model gives you the strategies to overcome each of those six. And so I don't know if you'd like me to give a high level, quick overview of the, the three internal and external, or if that's yes. if you want to go, go a different direction. Yeah, please yeah. go ahead, yes, yes. So the internal obstacles, first one, I have clients that come in saying, oh my God, there's so much to do, I can't even think. Overwhelm. That aligns with the thoughtfully fit practice of stillness. And stillness is being able to quiet the mind. And, and just like if you want to have peak performance as an athlete, you have to rest your body. Your body rebuilds stronger on the rest days. You have to rest your mind, quiet your mind. Second, internal obstacle is uh, I don't always handle myself the way I'd like. And so that aligns with the practice, the thoughtfully fit practice of strength, which is being able to consciously choose how you show up. So you drive home from a crazy day, traffic is bad. You step in through the kitchen, trip over the shoes from your kids and you start spewing. Oh, guys, I told you. And All of a sudden, there's this like heightened negativity and they're defensive. When you're thoughtfully fit, you pull in the driveway and maybe you pause for a moment and you think, what's the energy I want to bring in? And you open the door and you act thoughtfully and you consciously choose how you show up. That takes strength because it's sometimes a heavy lift to be able to self-manage those emotions. Mm. And then the third internal 
obstacle is I get, I feel stuck. So clients would come into a coaching session saying they're stuck, stuck in a, a project they can't work through, stuck in a marriage that's no longer fulfilling, stuck in a job that they hate. And so that aligns with the thoughtfully fit practice of endurance, which is about being able to overcome those obstacles to get unstuck. It's about embracing a growth mindset to say, I don't know how to do this yet, but I can if I focus on it. So let me pause. Those are the three internal if I, before I go into the external and see if there's any comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how, how do you, how do you really can work? I, I mean, physical uh, is, is clear. You, you go out and, and train, um, uh, what approaches you can take to, to make a, uh, a conscious choice about the training, those, uh, abilities and, uh, do it in, in a, in a consistent way. Um, probably there, there are people that say, okay, I start once and then I'm often doing the same thing that I did uh, yesterday but how you can build a consistency around, around those habits. Yes. So in the book, I go through specific strategies for each of those hurdles that are, uh, if, if even once you figure out, oh, this is my biggest hurdle, you can implement those specific strategies. Mm. At the core, you can always go back to those three steps and train and practice and build your core for all six hurdles, whatever they are. I mean, that's the great thing about building a core. Just like if you have a strong physical core, it doesn't matter if you're doing basketball or cross-country skiing or just taking the stairs because the elevator's out. Every movement's easier. In the same way, when you're thoughtfully fit, if you can't remember the strategies or you haven't read the book yet for the specific strategies, you just go back to engage your core. And that first, and it's, and it's three steps in order and then wash, rinse, repeat. And so if you notice that you're one of your biggest struggles is a lack of stillness, like, oh, there's so much to do. I can't even think when you get that email that says, Daniel, we, uh, this community school problem that we have this weekend, we realize that we need to create a committee and we'd like you to chair the committee. So that doesn't happen again. And the first meeting is going to be on, you know, next Thursday night. And you look at your calendar, it's free on Thursday night and you reply yes. And then next Thursday night comes and it's five o'clock and you're going, oh, why did I say yes to this? I don't have the time. I don't have the space. I don't have the energy. What was I thinking? That all contributes to that being a feeling of overwhelm. So in the moment, instead, when that email comes, you pause. Take a breath. Don't hit reply. Don't say yes and think. Okay. How does this invitation to serve on this, to share this committee align with my other priorities in life right now? How, how would this impact my work life balance? What would be in the impact on my, my children, on my sleep, on my exercise? And ask yourself some thoughtful questions and then act. And in that process, you might realize like, Oh my gosh, I can't do this. And then, and, and, and for me, one of the strategies in, in for stillness, you know, there's this notion that no is a full sentence. Well, that's hard, I, you know, to just say, oh no, I can't, thank you. That feels cold. Some people have no problem saying no. That's a challenge for me. So one of the strategies I talk about is you pause and think and you realize I can't do this. I'm not going to say yes. Then you can act by saying not this, not me, or not yet. So not this. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad that you are organizing this. I can't share it, but I'm happy to attend the meetings and contribute my voice. Mm. Or not me. I can't share it, but I have someone else in mind who is a part of this, and they are looking for an opportunity for more volunteerism in the community. I'd love to introduce you. Or not yet. Ooh, I can't do it right now. I'm overwhelmed. I've got this podcast. I'm doing a bunch of episodes. I've got kids. But I'll tell you what, if you guys get this off the ground and running in six months or next year or what have you, then I can, then I can be a part of it. And so that core always can be your starting point to pause and think before you act. Does that help? Yeah, it does. It, it, I, I'm feeling already like in a, in a personal coaching session. Um, so great. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Which is funny I, because that was my goal with the book yes. is that you can coach yourself. Like I love coaching people, but I can only coach one person at a time. And that's why I wrote the book is to give the, the benefit 
of coaching to anybody who wants it so that you can coach yourself. That's, 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 that's pretty awesome. Um, and when we now switch like to the, the, the external part of, of the, of the model, um, there we have also like three different, uh, um, aspects that, that we can, uh, yeah. shed a light on. Perfect. So the three hurdles externally, mm -hmm. uh, first one is I'd be fine if only you were different. Right. Clients would come in and say, okay, Darcy, what I want coaching on today is how do I get my boss to uh, give me advance notice before we have meetings? Or how do I get my spouse to do the dishes in that pile? So if somebody else would change, I could be happy. Well, of course you could. But that aligns with the practice of flexibility in the model of Thoughtfully Fit, where you have to be able to stretch to accept people just as they are instead of wasting all this time and energy trying to change them to get them to be the way you think they should be. It's a waste of time and energy. And, and if you can't accept the fact that, um, that, 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 you, uh, if, if, that you can't change them, can you at least stretch to accept the fact that there's no amount of energy that will get somebody to be different than, in a way you think they should be? There's a lot of peace that comes with embracing flexibility and practicing flexibility in your relationships. Second external uh, hurdle is I have relationships that don't work. So clients would come into coaching and say, I don't care if it's personal or professional. Relationships are out of balance. It's the practice of balance, which is about being able to balance what do you want and need with what I want and need. And so a lot of times, um, if you are over-functioning in a relationship, you're getting resentful and that relationship is out of balance. And so that is about being able to achieve alignment and find the win-win in that relationship instead of um, the win-lose, which is, I'm going to win. I'm going to tell you what I need and I'm going to get my way. That might work in the short term, but for the long term, that relationship will be out of balance and it won't work. Or... Other people, myself, my, my default preference on that, or not even preference, my default is to lose win. Like, oh, it's okay. I, I don't want to say anything. I don't want them to feel bad. It's not a big deal. And I lose. That, again, works for the short term. But over the long term, I'm just getting more and more angry and resentful. And that relationship is out of balance. Mm. And then the final external hurdle is I react poorly when blindsided. And so clients would come in and say, oh, Darcy, I need coaching. Somebody attacked me in the board meeting and challenged my report and I blew up. And now not only do I have the initial mess, I've got the added mess of having to clean it up that because I, because I overreacted or I acted impulsively. And so that's the thoughtfully fit practice of agility. And that's being able to respond effectively in the moment instead of reacting unconsciously. And, and um, you mentioned also in, in the book, um, like all these parts, like playing into building like the strong core. Um, how can I like really um, bring all those pieces together and, and, and foster it in, in, a, in a whole, uh, in a whole, holy sense, let's say? It, um, say more. Do you mean like when you're, when you're just out living your life? Mm -hmm. How do you make it be top of mind? Yes. Yeah. So one of the things that has helped me, um, I know you talked about your CEO as a big athlete, right? And I, and I draw a lot from my athletic training and being a lifetime in, in, in sports. And when I was training for cross-country skiing, I skied in the Junior Olympics way back when, like uh, 30 years ago, we would pre-ski the course, And, um, then we would do visualizations because we would know like where, where are the big hills, the uphills and the downhills and the card corners. And then we would do visualization. And in the visualization, we would practice doing the course in the mind and you go up this big hill. And then when you get to the top, when you're going down the hill, we would practice having a thumb and forefinger together and breathing and bringing the heart rate down. And practicing that in that visualization, then when I did the race, I'd get over the crest of the hill, I'd put my thumb and forefinger together, and my body and brain knew because I had practiced and trained, oh, this is when your heart rate comes down. This is when you are calm and you are able to then get back into a, a, a lower heart rate to tackle the next part of the course. 
So in your daily life, you can do the same thing. And this is a structure that I find works for me that I'm going to tell you and tell those people who are listening. If you take your left hand and make an L, like a, like, like a, like if, if anybody ever did the, I'm trying to not show my, I got road rash from my cyclocross race this Sunday. So I'm trying to keep my hand down. So yeah, you make an L and then take your other hand, your thumb and your forefinger and pinch in between. This is what I call the pause pinch. This is something when you're out there living your life and you notice you're at the community meeting and somebody says, Daniel, why didn't you, you know, do something? And you're about, you feel your heart rate going up. You feel your pressure. You just take and pinch. And that's your reminder. Uh, Pause. Don't Mm -hmm. react. Don't yell. Don't shut down. Pause. Take a breath. Breathe. So that you can access your thoughtfully fit core and be able to think and be able to respond thoughtfully. So that's just a tip as you're living your life. And the cool thing about doing that pause pinch is you can do it uh, on your lap. You can do it behind your back and nobody else has to know. And you can train yourself to be able to handle any situation thoughtfully. Awesome. I, I, I rem- uh, will remember that. Um, Darcy, I, I have that often or see that often um, that many business founders and executives and, and CEOs, they, they're not like um, that they don't accept help, but they are like, as you are like a doer and, and a lot of practice and everything. And they're like probably um, not so open to, and especially if we're talking about our, our German audience uh, to say, okay, I, I need to get out and, and get a coach. Um, if you're still doubting, doubting about that, um, remember what, what we have talked in the, or what Darcy has shared in the first uh, uh, part of this podcast um, when she uh, uh, really got uh, um, into crisis and there were people around her, the community that helped her. But um, taking it back to the to the coaching approach, why why does it make really sense for a, a business owner, a CEO, team lead, whatever, to really get coaching and and get get out there and make things uh, differently and see things differently? I, I mean, I've all I almost always have a coach. I mean, I, I, I and and I do because I believe in it. And people are like, why do you have a coach? You are a coach. Uh, well, dentists need dentists, right? I can't see my own blind spots, and and so. Nobody needs a coach. And, and I want to be uh, clear about that. But, but if you want to be high performing and you want to find success in your life, however you define success, a coach is going to fast track that. So you would never see any Olympic athlete, Michael Phelps, it doesn't matter who is Simone Biles, who doesn't have a coach. Now, is Michael Phelps going to be a phenomenal swimmer without a coach? Of course, look at him. He, he, right? He's got the build. He has the discipline. He has the mindset. He's got the physiology but he's not going to become the most decorated Olympian without a coach. And so you can work on your own personal development and growth and how effective you are as a leader and a CEO. But if you get a coach, you're going to fast track it and you're going to be able to address those blind spots much more effectively than trying to do it on your own. Mm -hmm. And uh, probably to just round it up for today, Darcy, when um, we talk about... um getting to your core and uh, uh, bringing all those things together. Um, I see that also often that um, the classical uh, 10, 15 hours uh, uh, per day of a CEO or business owner sitting on his desk, um, how you get them out of this uh, um, chair and, and moving because as we just learned, uh, it's not just the, 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 phys- uh, the, the, the mind part, uh, you need to get also like the physical part in. But I see that often that they just like keep working, keep working, getting really anxious about what they're doing, how you can like interrupt it and, and start with a new habit, it, taking in, into consideration that uh, they have a full packed day and a lot of meetings and everything around that. Mm-hmm. First thing is creating awareness and an intention that you want your day to be different. 
And that oftentimes is the hardest thing, right? That resistance, like, I don't have time, I'm not going. And so really getting into the why, what's important about this and and tying it to results that you're going to be more effective if you create some space to think, some stillness, some movement, your brain is going to be stronger, you're going to be a better leader. So that first step is, is create that awareness and the intention of why this is important. Then once you are like, oh yes, then you can figure out and create the structures, whatever that might be. You tell your assistant, I want you to block off this amount of time in my day and don't let anybody block over it, myself included. Um, right. There's ways that then you can honor whatever that intention is. But I find many times we get in our own way and that inner trash talk starts right when you say, well, yeah, it would be nice, but I, I can't do that. I've got meetings back to back to back. And I've got, I've, I, if I step away to exercise or to, ha- to meditate or to do something else, I'm not going to be as efficient. That's, that is trash talk. That's trying to tell you something that isn't true. Just like if you're out at a, a, a soccer match, you know, their other team is trying to t- trash talk. It's not true what they're saying, but they're trying to sabotage you. So that's another place to pause and think, okay, I recognize that my day is full and I have a lot of meetings and that's important. And yet I also know if I want to be on my A game, I have to create some time to step away, to quiet the mind, to exercise my body. And when I come back, I'm going to be more strategic, more innovative, more uh, uh, creative than if I let that trash talk tell me that I can't step away at all. Yeah. Is that, does that what you were had in mind? Did I yes, go the right yeah, pl- yeah, direction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah completely. And, and maybe just to round it up, um, uh, I, I, I had got something else in mind. Um, and maybe you can um, elaborate a little bit on that uh, importance of, of this uh, community around you, um, because that's what I felt. And, and you mentioned it also in the book. Uh, um, and how, how can we and, and, and foster this, this uh, need or um of of community um that supported you in your in your um most difficult times in in your life um because this, maybe maybe this is something also even more in in europe or in, in germany i would say um that people are getting more and more lonely i think this is uh, something in, in all over the globe um but like getting back in in small groups community family whatever um, to really not be alone in these situations when you need most uh, help and support. Um, and yeah, maybe we can mm-hmm. tell something about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things, because I, I feel like, Daniel, we could talk for an hour about this. Yes. And so, <laughs> right? So, so just to give a couple of nuggets of things that I've learned and that I've seen with my clients, one of the things is setting some real healthy, strong discipline and boundaries around social media and how much you are uh, sitting on your phone. That has a way, it, it, while it can connect you, it also absolutely can impact negatively community. And so uh, I, I, I was at an event, uh, a, a dinner a couple of weeks ago. And when we got there, they had a a basket in the middle of the table and everybody had to put their phone in. And the first person that grabbed their their phone had to buy a round of drinks for everybody. So you can actually make some fun things. And then what, what happened, what was awesome is that we were all looking at each other and talking and interacting and laughing instead of, and I know it, it seems, it sounds silly when I'm saying this, but you don't do that. You see people around the table that are on their phones. And that is getting in the way of connection and community right there in that moment when you have the opportunity. Um, other thing is what, what, I, what I found for me, if you can be vulnerable, vulnerability breeds vulnerability, breeds trust, breeds connection, breeds community. And, you know, it's one of the reasons, Daniel, why I decided to share my story and to go public because there was a, a point in time where um, I, I have a different last name than my ex-husband. I did not change my name when we got married. And I, after he was sentenced and convicted, um, and so my point being, not everybody knew, right? I had my friends and it was in the media, but not, not everybody knew that that was my husband. And so I'd be out at coffee with a, a former client or a CEO of a company that had reached out and uh, said, you know, we haven't connected in a long time. Let's, let's go have coffee. 
And at some point they would look at me and say, so how are you? And I'd be like, oh, shoot. Do they know? Do they, are they asking? Cause they know, do they not know? Oh, I don't know. And it was this horrible feeling that got in the way of connection and community because I, I would be like, okay, if they don't know, then I don't want to tell them. But if they do know, is that really appropriate to talk about? And so I would have this, I'm sure, sort of cold response, like I'm fine. And, and I hated that feeling like that, that it was like, I had this wall up that, and I told my team, I said, I, I, I need to go public because I want to connect with people. I want to be in community. And by my hiding and not sharing, it's, it's getting in the way. It's getting in the way of connection and community. I was scared, Daniel, when I went public with my story that my business would shut down because it's only based on reputation, right? My, sure. That's my, re- the exact opposite happened. I had people reaching out saying, oh my God, thank you for sharing. I had something similar and I've never talked about it and it's eating yeah. me alive, yeah. right? And, and how can I support? I, I did not have exactly the opposite happened of what I feared. Yep. That's, that's something really to consider. Mm-hmm. Darcy, our time has come to an end for today. I, as you just mentioned, we could keep going uh, another hour. Um, thank you very much for sharing all this insight and personal, uh, your personal story around it, uh, for being public and, and, and vulnerable in this place. Um, thank you again for, for joining us today. It is such a pleasure to join you. And I loved our conversation. And I'm wondering, can I share one resource for, for anybody who might be interested? Is that appropriate if I take what, of 10 course. seconds? Of course. Yeah. If, if somebody here is listening saying, okay, I know I have obstacles and I know I have hurdles, but I don't know which one is my biggest. I don't even know where to start. Anybody that wants to can go to thoughtfullyfit.com and there's a free quiz. It's a two or three minute quiz. And if you take that, it'll tell you what is your biggest obstacle based on how you answer the questions. And then it'll give you some strategies to overcome that challenge, that obstacle that you can then go and start to train and practice. Awesome. We're going to put this in our show notes and um, people can click on that directly and do this assessment. Wonderful. Thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you for my, uh, being here. Have a nice day. Yeah, choose. Bye. Wow. What an impressive story. How has this realignment of your personal perspectives worked out? Life is hard, right? So let's get active and train for it. We never know when the moment in life comes that training will pay off. Let me close the session today with a quote from Andy Goldstein. Failure will find you. Failure will just walk into your life, sit down next to you, put its arm around you and say, Hi there, my name is Failure. What's yours? You will fail or life is coming hard on you. The question is, How are you going to be when failure shows up? I'd say better be prepared. So before you leave, hit the subscribe button, give us a thumb up and share it around with your friends and colleagues. Let us know in the comments and reviews how do you feel about the hardships in your life? How do you overcome them? What methods you are using to be mentally and physically trained and fit? We are eager to hear. On behalf of the team here at the Virtual Frontier, I want to thank you for listening. So until the next episode, Keep exploring new frontiers.